0: I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and after reviewing more than 10,000 films and interviewing just about every actor on the planet, one of my favorite things to do is to share a glass of wine with my wife and talk movies on a deeper, richer level.
1: And I'm wine writer, speaker, and consultant Haley Hamilton Cogill. I'm a sommelier, a certified specialist of wine, founder of Dallas & and Corkton, write a blog called Red Wine with Breakfast. I love to talk movies with my husband, and I get to travel the world chasing the grape. So between wine
0: and film, we are A Perfect Perfect Pairing. Pairing. Welcome, everyone, to A Perfect Pairing. Now, today I'm going to spend some time talking about a filmmaker I not only admire, but I think he's made some of the most important films in cinematic history— Steven Spielberg.
1: And I'll explore the life and times of one of the most influential winemakers in Napa Valley, the legendary Robert Mondavi, whose winery is celebrating their 50th anniversary this year.
0: So I grew up, did I grow up watching Spielberg? No. I think I started watching Spielberg films really in high school. You know, he, he made a train movie early on. He made a TV movie called Duel with Dennis Weaver. And I remember that scaring me on TV, but I really connected with, with Jaws. And so when when Jaws came along in the early seventies, I, 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 that movie scared the ever loving daylights out of me, and I, I I didn't know how to handle it. I don't think I'd ever I don't think I'd ever seen a movie that scared me and was intellectually stimulating. Mm-hmm. On a level like Jaws, but because it also had a great cast, and it made me really uncomfortable. God, the great Roy Scheider, the great Robert Shaw, you know, and and they're, oh my God, they're 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 on a boat and they're just trying to stay alive, and this giant rubber shark comes out of the water, and but because
1: it, it looked so realistic
0: at the time, it at the did. time
1: it looked so realistic.
0: Now it's a little funny, yeah. <laughs> but because we come, you know, so far with that, but oh my gosh, at the time I. It just threw us all into it, Tizzy. And so, in college, we used to go a lot, and we'd watch Jaws. And we always, if we took somebody that had never seen Jaws before, we'd make them sit in the middle, and then we'd we'd get popcorn and coke and candy, and put it in their hands when that head pops out in the water underneath.
1: <laughs> That's so mean.
0: And just so they'd scream and throw everything. It was it was mean. And then along <laughs> came Close Encounters, and I mean, oh my God, Close Encounters to me was the wonderment of extraterrestrials the wonderment that somebody out there wasn't trying to ruin the planet that right. might even be friendly right Oh that kind of freaked us all out. I, I I remember watching that I I couldn't get enough of. It. it was my favorite movie for about 10 years. It
1: was beautiful.
0: It's just it was one of the stunning movies and one of
1: the most iconic soundtracks of right. I think that Spielberg has done amazing work with his soundtracks because both Jaws and that whole da 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 da
0: You you, rem, you remember those iconic musical notes and dun, dun 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 yeah and it's of course that's the great John Williams who did all of Spielberg's films who's, I think, in his 80s now. But boy, I mean, uh, there's, what, 29, 30, 31 Spielberg films now, and it's all, all John on John Williams' music scores. But I, I I just, those those films are huge to me. And then when he hooked up with, with Lucas and they started doing Indiana Jones, I, I remember I'm sitting in a little movie theater in Tyler, Texas. It was the smallest screen in town. But it was the biggest screen in town for me at the day because I'm watching Indiana Jones for the first time watching it on this big screen and I I didn't know what to say I'd never I'd never seen anything like that you know it was a serial movie like old time serials were with cliffhangers but it was a complete movie and and it wasn't really about anything it was just so much fun it was just everything about it was great but but his movies have become monumental to me and we get into Schindler's list and Saving Private Ryan which I think Schindler's list is the best film Spielberg's ever made but there's not really very many bad Spielberg films they're most almost all good but I, I look back those Spielberg to me is the guy that jumps out to me that in my life um, I can I can pick out 10 15 20 films and all love all of them right. for him now oh. now, Growing up for you when I remember when you start connecting with wine as a young adult was Mondavi a,
1: a name in your life? Well, I think that if you have any kind of love for Napa Valley, you have to you have to take your hat off to, to Robert Mondavi. And I think that that if you know over the years his wines have changed a lot, but if you look back at at who was really one of the 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 leaders and one of the the you know who who carried that torch the the longest and the proudest for proving what Napa Valley could be and and is is Robert Mondavi and Robert Mondavi Winery. His winery was the first post prohibition winery to open in Napa, and it opened in 1966. So again, celebrating their fiftieth um, vintage this year, and. And it was unlike anything that that had ever been built in Napa before. Yes, the, there were certainly several wineries open at the time. Um, uh, Charles Krug was one of them, obviously his father's. And when they when he broke off from from the family to create his winery, it was as much to promote um, both the quality of wines that he knew could come from Napa, because at the time a lot of more bulk wines were coming from the region instead of these um, very high quality. Uh, Cabernet based wines always with the name Napa Valley on the label which was a huge thing for him to, mm. to say it was not just a California wine or not or you're you know some wines didn't even have where they came from on their packaging but to put Napa Valley on that on that label and then to also kind of celebrate the whole joy and tradition that or what we now know as tradition but the the lifestyle that goes with with wine and and this very sophisticated yet very relaxed um, as as he called it, he he wanted people to lead a gracious way of life, which encompassed both wine with art and music and and food and the kind of everything that we think about when we think of of. Kind of the glamorous Napa Valley lifestyle really was started by Mandavi because he wanted people to come and and have an experience at his winery, not just maybe stop and 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 well, they didn't even have tasting rooms in Napa Valley at the at the time. He they was would one taste of, in a barrel. He right? would it, basically you'd kind of go into to the cellar, and if somebody if somebody was there to receive you, they might you know open a bottle or or, or taste out of a barrel and out right of the back of the truck and see if you liked it. And it was. Still, you know, it was very much farming country. It wasn't um, it, it, the chateaus and and the beautiful. You know these these just incredible architectural feats that we now see of the wineries in Napa. They weren't there, and and Mondavi was really one of the first ones to, to start that and to to invite visitors to come out and and try the wine and have an experience and and have a tasting salon and and to to start concerts on the lawn and to have people look at art and sculptors and
0: on the early pictures of Robert Mondavi was he a snappy dresser? Was he? Was,
1: he was. Very very dapper. Was yes. he stylish? I don't know if we'd call him a dandy, but he was always very stylish. Yes, he he um but again kind of with that relaxed wine country um, attitude and, and his wife Marguerite is, as a painter and always, you know, kind of has that just very relaxed painter's, um, yeah. palette kind of atmosphere around her. And, and there is, they were, they were very lovely. They mm. were a lovely couple that, that wanted to, to kind of show this lovely lifestyle and, and did it throughout the country. He was also, or throughout the world, he was also one of the first, Winemakers to any time he traveled he would always take a bottle of his wine and gift it to mm. to where they were they were maybe tasting if they were in Bordeaux or burgundy or wherever but then also he'd he'd want to have the winemaker try his wine with their wine, <laughs> which you know, wasn't always a gift. It was also, you know, let's see how mine compares.
0: So Spielberg's early films were a real early 70s. Mondavi's first one was you know, late 60s or mid-60s. They They're kind of a little bit around the same time. I'm I'm fascinated by Mondavi, as I know you are of Spielberg, too. When we return on A Perfect Parent, I'm going to sh- share my personal experiences with filmmaker Steven Spielberg. Spent a lot of time talking with him. And then Haley's going to talk about recently tasting the very first... Mondavi Vintage from Napa. It's a 1966 Cabernet
1: when we come back.
0: Hi, everyone. We're back on a perfect pairing, and Haley sometimes gets to taste some remarkable bottles of wine, including recently the very first vintage from Robert Mondavi, As she tells me, and I've seen photos, it was a 1966 bottle of Napa Cab. Haley, what was that experience like for you?
1: That, um, it, it was fascinating. And it was, it, it was so celebratory that, that I think that that's what made it so special. And, and I say that, um, having a chance to taste this beautiful bottle in a room for a gala celebration for this, the 50th anniversary of Robert Mandavi Winery. And it was more the people that were in the room and the, the conversations that were had as much as the, the juice that was in the bottle because the bottle is fifty years old. It it did it um, look old? It was had a beautiful kind of rusty brown color, so yes, it yeah. definitely looked its age but but was held, you know, held up Really surprisingly, there was still some nice freshness to it. The fruit was gone, but it had more kind of dried, um, dried fruit and and earthy and dusty kind of flavors. But it was more to to be in a room with Warren Winorsky, who, um who is the founder of Stags Leap Wine Cellars, that that um, founded his winery in the early nineteen seventies, but worked for Mondavi in sixty six, and to have him stand up and say. I I made this wine, and this was I I was here, and I did this, and have winemaker Paul Hobbs, who I just adore and respect so much, and has has made such beautiful wines over the years. Who worked for Mondavi in the '70s, stand up and and say, and that you know I had a chance to learn a lot about a lot about winemaking, and a lot about the kind of winemaker I wanted to be because. I I learned from a man that that was a perfectionist and he, there are many many stories that they were you know Renda, Robert Mondavi was a rather um he he wanted a lot and there were lots of contentious times with him but the the skills that he taught and the ability that that people that worked with him had that winemakers who worked under him he was always open for For you to to try something out and to experiment and to see if you could do something a better way, even though he may already know it may it might not have worked, but he let he let you learn and he let you try it out, which I think just that is is pretty fascinating for somebody that that is you know had had already a really really strong presence. Mandavi
0: sounds to me like a guy um, like a famous chef that's getting older now, all these other famous chefs worked under him at one time. Absolutely. And so all these winemakers that, that like Paul Hobbs and that you know now all worked under right. him. Right.
1: Mike Gergich worked for him. I mean, and Jean-Viev mm. uh, Jansons, who's been with him now for 25 years okay. as his director of winemaking, she spent 25 years at this place and 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 has watched these vines age and watched these wines grow. And and it's a very, very exciting thing. And I so has Spielberg had had kind of similar understudies that have that have grown to you know
0: that's a really great great question Spielberg and Lucas and Coppola all learned after uh, under John Huston and Billy Wilder but I think the new generation of filmmakers don't do that anymore I think they want to go off and do their own thing yeah There'll be, you know, film critics like me that admire him, and other filmmakers that will copy a shot or two in an homage to him. But no, I don't. I don't think. I, I can't think of a lot of. He might help train some writers, but n- not so much filmmakers. I, I spent a lot of time with. And I, can I call him Steven? Can I call him that? Of course. Because you when you when you go to see Schindler's List a month before anybody else does, and then you get up at nine o'clock the next morning and you're sitting in a room with Steven Spielberg talking about this magnificent. Maybe the best fun. I've ever had to you've write ever, about. You've
1: always said that. About uh, I think it's exist. a monumental
0: piece of filmmaking a, a, about making that film. That's where the conversation always wants to be. I mean, Saving Private Ryan, he did that as an homage to his father. He made Amistad as an homage to one of his um, um, adopted children. He, he, he really, I think, has his heart in the right place about making movies. You know, E.T. And, and Close Encounter was an homage to his childhood about the wonderment of what's out there in the world. But I, I'll, I'll never forget taking uh, three guys who were first wave Omaha D, Omaha Beach D-Day Normandy to a private screening of Saving Private Ryan a couple of weeks before it came out. And these three guys survived everything. And at the end of the movie, they're bawling like babies. They're crying. They're looking at me. And they said to him, it was so innocent, Gary, please tell Stephen thank you and that he got it right. And I, I got the chance to do that. And, you know, you go into a room with him and say, look, I, I've seen this film with guys that – Lost all of the their buddies. Yeah. You know, one guy lost. One guy told me eight guys in front of him took bullets, died in the sand. He made it to the bottom of the hill, and thank you. You know, he yeah. just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. And so these, these movies, you know, sometimes we take movies too seriously. Sometimes we take them too lightly. Stephen, when he makes them, I think takes them seriously, and and there's usually a reason, and he can usually explain whether you like it or not. Whether your flavor of cinematic ice cream is the same as Spielberg's, there's a reason why he does what he does, and he's great at conversation. He is. I think he puts his money where his mouth is, too. I think he makes movies that mean something to him and hope that they mean something to somebody else. Uh, it's, it's, he's kind of an extraordinary guy, probably like Mondavi. Just, you know, well, you got to follow what you love and quit trying to do what you think everybody wants you to do.
1: Right. Well, and I also think one of the... the kind of wonderful things about mandavi and and all of the stubbornness and such that he had is that he really really did believe in his community and and hmm. beyond just the putting the name on the bottle and and celebrating the grapes it he he knew that he had to get back and he he did have this if one succeeds we all succeed kind of attitude that that in more recent years has been lost and 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 really wanted to to show the people of Napa Valley that that he was he was a really good community partner. He was one of the the Robert Mondavi uh, Winery, and and Robert and Marguerite were were two of the founders of Auction Napa Valley. And so in 1981, when Auction Napa Valley began um, as as a as a kind of celebration to give back to 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 raise funds to give back to the workers of of Napa. They were they were at the they were at the front of that and and starting Copia, which um, has sadly now closed, but it was a great kind of food destination, food and wine de- destination in Napa. Um, it was so that people would come and learn and have an experience, and and you see what auction has auction Napa Valley has now become. Thirty five years later, they've given over one hundred and fifty million dollars to oh. education and healthcare to to the people in in the region that actually do the work, and that's what's just so amazing.
0: Wow, wow. So I have this uh, real quick Spielberg story. So I'm interviewing him for Save Private Ryan, and what you want to do in an interview is is just ask questions on a high level. Can't always be there, but with him, I think you can. So at the end of the interview, everything I was doing was for television, so I'm walking down the hallway with my tapes, and his assistant chased me down the hallway and said, Mr. Spielberg would like to have your tapes. Like why? No, they're mine. Don't take my tapes. So I just interviewed him. I'm going to use this for television, and he goes, "No, he thinks it's the best interview he's ever done, and he wants it for his archives." Wow! Can we take it, and make copies, and we'll mail it to you tomorrow, overnight it to you? And I was like, "That's yeah. the best. It is the best." And you're just so, you know, you wander through the world wondering if anybody ever really listens, and, an and every once in a while, you you have a conversation. And someday we'll talk about our, our mutual love for uh, Lawrence of Arabia. But that was, that, that was a really cool moment for me. All right, it's question time. So when we come back on A Perfect Pairing, we're going to continue. I'll have a couple personal questions for Haley about wine and especially about Mondavi. And I'm sure Haley's going to have a couple of surprise questions for me about film and about
1: the great Steven Spielberg. We'll be back. Welcome back, everyone, to A Perfect Pairing. And we're talking
0: today about two legends. In film, director Steven Spielberg, and in wine, the legendary... Robert Mondavi. Haley, do you got a question for me?
1: Well, it sounds like uh, you are quite in love with with Mr. Steven Spielberg. I won't call him We have a bromance. It sounds like it. And and obviously, after spending that much time uh, with him over the years. So does everybody love him as much as you do? No. (laughs) Not
0: at all. I can't tell you how many film critics I meet and talk to. And by the way, film critics are weird. I got into this because I I wanted to serve the film, not – not be quoted anywhere, and some of them are just really, really weird. But a lot of times they go, oh, another Spielberg film. It's so predictable. You know, he's going to be too emotional. He's kind of maudlin. And I'm going to say yes to all of those things because we might just have different flavors of cinematic ice cream. Peter Bogdanovich wrote some very scathing things about Spielberg and his movies and that he doesn't end his thoughts. He just kind of throws stuff out there and wants to win you with emotions and doesn't dig deep enough. And that's why Schindler's List probably changed everyone's mind. But I, no, it's true. I think, there, I think there's an equal amount of people out there that are annoyed by Steven Spielberg movies as that love Spielberg movies. But when it gets right down to it, um, it's kind of like when you talk about Tom Cruise movies. <laughs> Everybody goes, they think of Top Gun. Yeah. Tom Cruise is great in The Color of Money. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise is great in in, in, in that in the Vietnam film. He's just, he's so interesting in some of his earlier films that we forget, in Magnolia, mm-hmm. we forget, you know, the mainstream stuff, you know, where everything's blown up. Born on the Fourth of July. He's really, really good in that film. And he serves other actors really well in films. And yes, he's kind of crazy famous and yes, there's a bunch of stuff I don't like either. But Spielberg, you no, know, I think I I probably have an affinity and an attraction to his movies and the product he puts out, probably more than than most people and I get that and I admit that and I cry like a baby as you know mm-hmm. watching Bambi. So is Ma- when you tasted the 1966 wine, when you go back to it, was it as you think it was, is 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 when they make mondavi wines as when they made wines in the 60s and 70s maybe early 80s are the wines the same no they're not are they as good now as they were back then you
1: know it's interesting and and the 66 uh, we also tasted a 68 and a 69 and then a 70 and 71 and 73 and and we tasted fifty wines over a two-day period wow. of of old vintages, and um, the, the, the sixty the sixty six had lost its fruit, but the sixty eight still had it, and there was still freshness, and there was still juiciness, and it was very low alcohol. And for me, that's the kind of wine that I tend to to like a little bit more. I think that over the last few years in Napa, um, just Napa Valley as a whole, we um, the the bigger fruitier um, higher alcohol wines have definitely um, kind of rose to the to the top of the barrel per se. Big say. fat ribs have taken over. Well, and and they get lots of high ratings, and so when you get big scores on big over overblown wines, they um, tend to tend to that becomes the style that all of a sudden becomes very popular, and I think that that's what you find a lot today. Thankfully, I think that that there are still winemakers that try to finesse that. And so, yes, you might have a higher alcohol, but you keep your acidity bright, and so then you can create a complete wine, even if the alcohol level is a little higher. And it is also nice that a lot of winemakers are now trying to, you know, go more to more of an old-world style with a lower alcohol. But
0: you're a finesse girl.
1: I I need something soft. I'm not a, let's just throw it out there and put it in your face. Granted, I like a good, earthy, you know, give me a, a, a masculine style Howl Mountain Cab and I think that there's something really, really beautiful there. But it doesn't have to be all in your face. Like, like let's have a little subtlety to it. And I don't know, you know, because I think, I'm thinking of, of some Spielberg movies in my head and there are a lot that are, that are not quite as subtle.
0: <laughs> no, as, many of them. As
1: others. Yeah, there's,
0: there's a bunch of them.
1: But they all do, to me, they tell a really beautiful story. And so, is, is, Telling that story, what what's always at the basis, you think, for those, or, or? Well,
0: for for movies, for Spielberg in particular?
1: Because I mean, are they? He tends to make big blockbuster films as well, right. and sometimes those two, you you don't find the good story with the good blockbuster. Right often. when
0: you when you mentioned earlier about does everybody like him? I think people that love little independent, low budget films hate people like Spielberg. I think they just really that's just the opposite of what they're about. But every once in a while, he'll surprise you. He'll make a film like Munich. He'll make a film, well, Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan, which is a big film. You know, Schindler's List was not a big budget movie. And he'll... he'll, he'll he ever, did all
1: the Band of Brothers as well, right? Yeah, he produced brand of, Band Tom of Brothers on,
0: on television with Tom Hanks. But then he did some big giant, you know, hook... The movie Hook was probably is that pro-
1: that's a big juicy jammy. That's a big juicy jammy <laughs> film. You know, I, I, Hook
0: was back in the, I think the late nineties. He did a film called Always, which is a real romantic kind of sappy film. John Goodman's in it, and and
1: and uh, and Holly Hunter
0: and Holly Hunter's in it. Yes, but. Um, but then he also did Jurassic Park, and he did Amistad, and he, you know, AI pro is probably one of the least liked films. But he did AI as a tribute, you know, a, 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 as, as a tribute to another director. And so he, he, he it does— It sounds
1: like he's always kind of trying to, to pay homage to different things or, or, you know, show tribute to family or— Yes. Or.
0: But, well, then he comes back and does Lincoln. Lincoln's a really smart, mm-hmm. interesting film. Then Bridges Spies— I mean, and I will say this about somebody like Spielberg and probably like Mondavi too. You're not going to make a great movie every year and you're not going to make a great wine every year. But some of them are going to pop out better than others. But the percentage of Spielberg films for me work. You know, The Terminal is probably his little film. But I think Catch Me If You Can is a, kind of a remarkable little film mm-hmm. for Spielberg. and he's, You know, he's still got a lot of... You know, he only is directing another Indiana Jones movie wow. with Harrison Ford. Wow. He's probably going to do that until he dies. <laughs> but, you know... Because he should. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Do you think the Mondavi wine or just the product. I don't want to say Mandavi wine in particular, but the Mandavi product has become a little bit diluted in the last 10 years as opposed to what it was.
1: Absolutely. And and it is sad. They were um, so, you know, Robert Mandavi passed away in 2008, but a few years before that, the the winery sold um, to Constellation, which is a very big um, corporate owner. And and so having that play um, a part of of just the winemaking that will obviously bring in some new changes, uh, but uh, I think it's it's the wines just as a whole, and and kind of what I said earlier about just wines from from Napa as a whole have changed their style. There is there was a stylistic shift to something that's a bit more pronounced and and more um, and more showy, and either you're going to love that or you're going to hate that. Um, we I I still love it because I still love some of them because I still love Napa Valley and I love the story that the, and the passion and the dedication and I think if nothing else you have to give Robert Mondavi that because he was definitely passionate.
0: Well, nothing would make me happier than to watch uh, the director's cut of Close Encounters while we sip the nineteen sixty six. That would
1: <laughs> Robert <Mondavi. laughs> be A good
0: day. Another good conversation, Haley. Thanks. That's it for a perfect pairing. I'm Gary Kogel, and as usual. I'm looking for the next great film.
1: And I'm Haley Hamilton, Kogel, always in search of that great glass of wine. Join us next time on A Perfect Perfect Pairing. Pairing.